What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala, your thrice weekly podcast where we talk about the hottest news with some very interesting people, plus a touch of what, Terence? Good old humor, man. Good old yeah. humor, man. Wow. Yeah. So, so this podcast really came out of nowhere. Uh, we didn't even know our guest was in Singapore. Or at least I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm not. I'm not usually religious or biblical, uh, but. This really is the return of the prodigal son. <laughs> like Ronaldo <laughs> coming back to Manchester United. That kind of feeling, right? Yeah. That's true, uh, that's true. And soon he's gonna be reaved in red also, uh, right? That's what that's what the commentator said, reaved. Reaved in red. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's right. That very poetic commentator. Yeah. Reaved uh, in red and white, lah. Uh, reaved in red and white, yeah. 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 Because today in front of us we have none other than So Ru Yong. Yes. Welcome back, man. Hello, thank you very much. I think the last time you came on this podcast was October 2021. Yes, been one and a half years. One uh, and a half really years. Really flew by, mm. huh? Flew yeah. by, yeah. And I mean, the latest... Your mic, your mic, you gotta yeah, speak closer. Okay. Pull, either pull it closer or speak closer. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, so the October 2021, you came. And the latest that we heard as recent as a few weeks ago was that you're going to be running for Singapore at the upcoming SEA Games. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, because mm. I remember the last time when you came, you were about to embark on a, uh, your studies for law. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you were gonna still carry on running then, but holy shit, man! So much has happened. Yeah, can I yeah. can I just say that the your Instagram post announcing that you're back is probably the shortest uh, social media post I've seen from you. Usually, <laughs> usually I expect it to be a lot longer, but this one you just said we back, and then I'm like, okay, uh, well, what are the details and all that? So actually, mm. actually, what is the the big announcement to everybody that you are back for? Uh, well, I mean, I'm back for the Southeast Asian Games. As you guys rightly noted, it's been a while. I think the last time I ran for Singapore at these Southeast Asian Games was August 2017. Mm. So wow. it's more than five years. Yeah. So then I wasn't selected for the one in 2019 or the one, the postponed one from 2021 to last year. Mm. So I actually remember I was in London, I was listening to a podcast because someone sent it to me or I saw it online or something like that. I mean, I think you guys were discussing like what you guys thought of the non-selection. Harish said, "Oh, I think it's fucked up." Yeah, <laughs> I, I still think it's hilarious. Up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thanks for thanks for the support. Yeah. Uh, that, that being said, um, obviously it was a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just without without kicking up too much of the past because that that will mean that I'm not helping everyone to move on in a productive manner. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that you know the SNOC was gracious enough to allow past differences to be set aside and give me the chance to come back and um, prove that, you know, I can represent Singapore in a more professional and better way than I have managed to do so before. Mm, yeah. wow, awesome. Yeah. So actually, that that's the crux of it. Uh, that now you can represent, uh, you're representing Singapore at the SEA Games again, right? Yeah. And then with any luck, the Asian Games later in the year as well. Mm, oh, oh, the Asian Games are later in the year as well. September. Because uh, you yes. qualified for the 10,000 already, right? Yes, that's correct. So that means you meet the and qualifying the, timing. Yes. But that means that there still needs to go through the process of the team being selected and proposed and approved. That's correct. Yeah. Ah, oh, I see, I see. Fantastic. So mm. the SEA Games will be running in the 5K and the 10K. That's correct. And the uh, marathon? Uh, well, because the marathon, okay, so the selection is based on what you can run in that event in the qualifying window. Yeah. But the qualifying window started from last year's SEA Games. I think that was like May. And, and it closed a few months ago. So mm. it, I didn't manage to run a marathon in that qualifying window. I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. So it was just a matter of, um, no, 
I, I was a bit injured towards the end of last year. Like I injured my hip in July. It didn't quite go away to earlier this year. So it was just not the situation where I was going to like rush and get ready for a marathon, especially with no guarantee that I even have been on the team. Oh, I see. Yeah, so, but it's not that you've you've stopped running in these in these years that you didn't uh, participate in the SEA Games, right? You no, still yeah. compete a lot. I've seen pictures of you, you know, running in London, wearing like full... Uh, what, what do you call it? what is the stuff that you wear in winter when you go running is it, is it called is winter wear is it a winter wear <laughs> yes Terrence what you wear in winter, <laughs> winter? it's called winter no, wear it's performance gear for winter winter performance gear no, so you're, you're still competing at a very high level with uh, you know people internationally as well um, but, but what is it a big thing about the SEA Games that, that you know that you so makes you so gain to you, you're so happy that you are representing Singapore again at all well, I mean, I'm happy to represent Singapore again, but I wouldn't say that it was a make or break of my life. Like, you know, if okay. I never got to represent Singapore again for the rest of my life, I would still be very happy, like, running and doing my thing. If anything, the forced break from representing Singapore it, mm. uh, allowed me to figure out a bit more about you know, my motivations for running, allowed me mm. to experiment a bit more with, you know, my training, rather than, you know, rushing from SEA Games because there's not a lot of time between SEA Games man it's like two years two years and mm. then like sometimes in between SEA Games you have Asian Games so if you keep rushing to qualify for meets then you get it's easy to get sucked into that cycle of like you know SEA Games finish already then you like have to qualify for the next big competition so it's always like rush to get fit rush to get fit mm. and mm. you don't really have time to experiment with with new things if that's mm. if that's the cycle you get locked into yeah, mm. yeah. so um, if anything the last like you know four or five years when I didn't have the pressure or I didn't have the expectation of qualifying for SEA Games or peaking for SEA Games I just had all the time in the world I needed to you know train when I was more motivated when I was less motivated you know dial it down and focus on other aspects of my life that's mm. why I ended up in law school that's why I ended up um, you know applying for internships and figuring out what I want to do like beyond sports in in the foreseeable future mm. but of course I was still quite fortunate to be having the support that I had uh in from you know corporate sponsors and stuff like that because I think I still I was still a notable sports figure mm. and you know I had personal projects on my own like, like the Pokari Sweat 2.4 yep. kilometer yeah. uh, run that has actually become an annual race now so. yeah. oh yeah. so is it a confirmed yeah. annual race already yeah yeah so, it's kind of a thing uh, though, like everybody talks about it like so this year faster. is actually going to be the the 2.4 km Singapore National Championships so oh. we've, we've gotten the <laughs> yeah we've gotten the approval from Singapore Athletics so oh, yeah, wow. so, oh, so, yeah so, so what started as some uh, some challenge yeah. from myself to the commandos who were saying that you know, sub seven two point four was very was very common. That camp. I think it's so easy to come and do like, And that yeah, small yeah, thing yeah, became cool. now what is today the Singapore National Championships. So yeah. the first edition will be, uh, it's like the Pokari Sweat two point four km National Championships is uh. going to be in September this year. Mm. Uh, yeah, just before the Asian Games. So uh, it, I mean, mm. yeah. So, 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 so it got approved by the Singapore Athletics, yeah. and it's a recognized event now, la. Yes, I mean it was always a recognized event. Yeah, but now it's officially like the national championships. Mm. Oh, the yeah. national championships. But if anyone was yeah thinking about like oh, so what's the big deal? It's just another event. Uh, I think remember that time when it was announced and all. Uh, I think you took it on yourself to really find very interesting ways to market it, including <laughs> running and and getting sponsors like chicken rice sponsors. Yeah, like if you like if you managed to beat uh Ryong's time, I think you would win what six hundred packs. Seven hundred packs. Seven hundred packs. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what Terence remember. Yeah, no. Admittedly, at that point, I was like, "Huh, what is this?" Like running and then after going eat six hundred packs of chicken rice. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Yeah. But now in that spirit, it's become almost like 
the most Singaporean uh, thing yeah, ever, run, a yeah, Singaporean yeah. race, a Singaporean uh, distance that everybody's familiar with. Yeah. And the reward was like chicken rice, which is our favorite uh, dish. So yeah, in the end, I came around and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Uh, the, the fact that you got all these very um, disparate elements together and then made something out of it. And then now it's like almost like a real race that, you know, people like, oh, 2.4, I'm going to so trade for that. Is mm. one of the prizes still 700 packs of chicken rice? <laughs> I need to contact Daniel, who is the owner of the chicken rice company. I need, I need to speak to him. He was actually an yeah. incident. I actually spoke to him last year, but he had an incident where um, he had a business dispute. Some, some One of his clients paid to the wrong account or something mm. like that, and then he was trying to claw the money back. So he wasn't in a good financial space to come uh, and deal with um, uh, sponsorship, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll check in with him. Um, mm. Yeah, he, it was actually public. I thought I saw something online that he may, he may, he may have gone public okay. with that. Yeah, but yeah, Daniel, Daniel was, uh, he was very supportive of the first edition. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, okay, so here's the interesting thing. So the first year of the Pokari set 2.4K challenge, right, there was pretty much zero corporate oversight by Pokari. It was just like me, just just me and uh, me and my social media platform that's beating the drum on the race, like, mm-hmm. which is why I believe that it was something unique, something that was, no, it, it wasn't boring because when, I mean, sorry to say, when, when corporates get too involved, everything mm. becomes very cookie cutter, very safe, mm. very like, you know, tame because corporations would rather not r- do something new and yeah. lower the risk rather yeah. than take a big gamble and risk it blowing up into a bad PR. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's just the nature of corporate, especially corporate Singapore. Mm. So that's why if you look at all, all the other races on in the market, um, they're all pretty much cookie cutter, all the same. And Singapore is quite small. So every other road race is around the Marina Barrage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it, it's quite, you know, there's Hello Kitty run, you know, there's, there's, there's this run, the NTUC income run. Yeah. There are different names for all these races, but it's pretty much the same, same mm. similar stuff. Maybe actually, the price is a bit different or whatever. You know, there's a, probably a sizable number of people who, you know, maybe not even from Singapore who listen to this. And they might be wondering what's, the big deal about running 2.4 km, right? Mm. Um, you know, for Singaporeans, it's it's since young, uh, uh, you know, whether it's our physical fitness test in school and then army, 2.4 km was like the distance that you had to run. And it was always measured against other people in terms to determine your fitness, like, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know, for you, what was your 2.4 time? Your I fastest? The fastest was about 8.56. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, pretty mine, good. I think mine was like, <laughs> 10 ish. Uh. That was my fastest time like, uh, in history. And I will say, the moment I broke nine, right, I was like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> sub nine, bro. Yeah. Hey, you sub nine or not? You don't sub nine. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a, there's this whole like, yeah, yeah, bravado, bravado about yeah, it, right? right. right. Yeah. So that's why it's so, it's quite, it was quite funny to see it become uh, like a thing, like yeah. uh, people trying to beat the sub seven minute thing. But, but I always was, I've always been curious because like, over the years, my 2.4 time has stretched from 10 minutes to like closer to like 16 or 18 minutes. Like, right? Uh-huh. What in the mind of like uh, an elite athlete, uh, two point four for you? Does it feel like it's like just a, a, a like a short sprint? Does it feel like just a short sprint for you? Like what is in your mind when you're like, oh, okay, I'm about to run uh, two thousand four hundred meters? It's not a short sprint. It feels like a long sprint. Long because sprint. It feels because you are if you're running at your max effort, you're actually hurting quite bad. Like mm. even halfway through or like four laps in, and you still have like two laps left to run. Yeah. So, so it can be, uh, it's painful. Yeah, it's painful. Of course, it's painful. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, like what, like your, your heart beating or is your feet? Your heart or? is beating through your chest. Your legs are full of lactic acid um, because you're running at your lactate threshold mm. or which means that you're producing, you're consuming oxygen faster than your body can clear it. Ah, uh, yeah. okay, okay. 
if you want to run at your best, like, so, so it's about like pacing yourself, making sure that you can uh, hold a steady pace all the way to the end. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, so the point I was making was that the first year, there was no corporate oversight. But because it became such a big thing, it's like over a million people reached on social media alone. Mm. The second year, I think corporate saw the potential, like Pukari Sweat, corporate saw the potential in it, but they also saw the potential risk. So they were a lot more involved, which meant that um, I wasn't able to, a lot of my ideas that I proposed to the team, like they were either watered down or like sometimes not even used, mm. um, completely not used at all. Um. So, but I mean, for me, it's also like, you know, I was just the event, like after the first year, I became appointed as the event consultant. So mm. I was just a consultant, oh. which means that you give your views, you can propose ideas, make PowerPoint slides and whatever, but end of the day, the, they will make the call. Yeah, they'll make the call. So, so at, at that point, I was just like, okay, I'll let them make the call and then we'll see the end result. Uh, and okay. as as it happened, the second year didn't have as much excitement as the first time. I think the first time was also a novelty. Second time, uh, it was also like uh, people kind of know what to expect. And some of the new ideas I was proposing weren't really carried out. Mm. So I think that they felt the pinch in terms of like eh, the event. The second year wasn't as quite as successful in terms of uh, outreach mm. compared to the first year. So mm. this is the third year. I think they're a bit more open to potential ideas. But again, because it's become like a corporate event now, yeah. I'm having like they're having to manage, you know, both my ideas that like without diving divulging too much because mm. it's also something we want to keep as a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Um it's balancing that together with what could be potentially the risk involved. Yeah. I see, I see. Mm. So yeah. like are you like the will you be presenting the prizes and all, you know, like, like Yeah, yeah, I would like to, yeah, yeah. So it will be will be I, I'll be sourcing for some uh potential sponsors if there are any interesting mm. uh prizes that people have out there that would be they'll be happy to be a part of. They can come on board as a sponsor. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's But you you'll be running that definitely. Yes, I'll be running. In uh-huh. fact, Ideally, I'll be back to race the Pukari Sweat 2.4km national champs and then after I go to Asian Games like two weeks later. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is cool, man. Wow. Yeah, would, so, would, would, that, would that make a difference in the... Would that affect your training, having to run that 2.4km? So, so the fun thing about 2.4 is that um, it's not long enough to be that damaging. So ah, like, yeah. Okay, okay. So you can recover so, after a couple so of years. So when you say yeah. that damaging, because I always wonder, like I've heard People talk about when you run a long run, it's damaging to the point that you need time to recover. Yes. Mm. In what way is it damaging? Is it the muscles have those micro tears beyond? Correct. Kind of like it needs significant time to recover, as opposed to a two point four. Correct. Uh, micro tears, but also like when you're running a marathon, let's say forty two kilometers, you're already depleting your body of all your hydration your electrolytes yeah. you know you, it goes to an v- extremely fatigued state and you're working extremely hard for you know anywhere from 2 hours to 4 hours to, to 5 hours depending on how fast you run the marathon yeah so exerting your body for even for myself exerting my body for 2 hours and 20 minutes is very different from exerting your body for like less than 7 minutes I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Listen, seven minutes, like, seven, seven minutes for you, but like 15 <laughs> for most other people. <laughs> Which will still be a lot shorter <laughs> than three hours or whatever. Yeah, so that means it's depleted to the point that it's, it can't even recover in a few days. It so recovers. after a marathon, like the science suggests that you should take two weeks completely off from physical activity oh, and mm-hmm. then another two weeks of very easy physical activity before you go back into hard training. So it takes like a month. Oh, wow. I yeah. see. And, and how much of, do you delve into the science of like long distance running and all? I'm I'm not as scientific in my approach compared to many professional athletes. Mm. Um, I'm still relatively um, go by feel, old school. But I do read up on scientific 
uh, advancements in training methods and try and like apply them where it makes sense. I see. Yeah. So, so this year, you're 31 years old, right? I'm 32 in October. 32. In August, actually. Okay, yeah. got it. How How is your body different now from the last time you competed at the SEA Games? Well, um, five years older. <laughs> um, I haven't really, I mean, touch wood, I really haven't really felt the effects of aging yet because I think I've been quite consistent with training. In fact, I got better every year. I'm a much better athlete now mm-hmm. compared to the last time I competed at the SEA Games. Oh, okay. now, now, that being said, the last time I competed at the SEA Games, I, I did have good preparation for like six months prior mm-hmm. to the SEA Games. And I knew that I was going to be there. I trained for it. I picked for it. And that's why I managed to do well. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, it's like, I only got confirmation of my participation like six weeks before. So like, mm. now I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of on the on the accelerated get fit quick <laughs> program. Mm. <laughs> but it's not mm. like I was coming from couch, like couch mm. fitness. Like, you know, I was, I was active. It's just that I wasn't, I'm not going to have quite the same runway in terms of preparation time. Because mm. yeah, the past few years, you have broken more records. Yes. So the last time, I mean, very simple stat, like the last time I competed at the SEA Games, I only had one national record. It was yeah. in the 10,000 meters. Yeah. Now, I have four from like 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. Four. And the 10,000 meter record has actually got a bit faster as well. Which wow. was the one you broke last year? The 10,000? 10, 10,000, yeah. I see. And that was the one that qualified you for the Asian Games? Uh, yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. I see. So, so how has the training been different in the UK now that you've been there for the past two years? One and a half. Uh, one year plus. La. I only got mm-hmm. there in like fe- February the 1st uh, last year, effectively. Uh. So, how is it different? I would say that sports is a lot more of a way of life in mm. in the in the UK. You know, there's mm. a, there's much greater participation. I think the weather helps, you know, like it's a lot more fun to do sports when you're not sweating buckets within the first <laughs> five or ten minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and also, it's just more of a social culture. Like here, if I go for training, it's like very like very business or like very business minded, very like, oh, we're here to focus on training and then like mm. go home. I, th- I also think that work-life balance is a bit better in the UK. So mm. like when I train with my club in the UK called Clapham Chasers, um, I'm training with working adults. Like one of the best guy on my team is actually a partner at Deloitte. So he, oh, really? yeah, he swings by after training. He trains hard. He goes home to his wife and kids. Uh, his but name he is trains Nick. to compete like or just recreationally? He started recreationally. So his name is Nick Bowker. Um, he was a football player for, for like not professional, but he played in university. Uh-huh. And then a bit of a party animal. And then like never picked up running until he met his wife. And then his wife was part of Clapham Chasers and in, like kind of, kind of like encouraged him to come down and do running. Then he found like, he found that, you know, he was quite good at it. And he's just been on the upward um, swing ever since. And last year in London Marathon, he set the club record, two hours, 17 minutes. Oh, wow. shit. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, that's, so that's five minutes faster than I've ever run. And he only started running in his 30s and now he's 36. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Wow. Yeah. So that's just like natural, natural talent. He obviously has good, like, sporting natural talent because, and I think that he wasn't sedentary or so, like, he did play football uh, I think it was centre back or something like that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Taller, muscular guy, but he's lost a lot of the upper body mass through long distance running. But like you know, he has to got the competitive mindset. Um, and then so and then just and he he's, he's got a career as an accountant. He swings by after training and like basically like he has fun doing it. And, and then, he runs a two seventeen marathon. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then there's Matt Dickinson who works works at a hedge fund and has run two nineteen. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, um, bit of a, bit of a 
he got the 80s rocker look, like, you know, like long hair, mm. moustache and everything. And, and like, you know, he comes for training, um, ties his head in a bun and then goes out and like smashes all of us. And then mm. he runs like 219 for the marathon. So oh yeah, my it's good. God. And these people, so basically they're not even competing professionally. They uh, have no sponsorships, no nothing. La. They might get free gear, but like then, okay. but certainly you're right. They're, they're more amateurs than definitely. Mm the definition would be like they're amateur runners like they they work a job they swing by after their job they train and they train really hard yeah but they also there's a lot of it is down to natural talent also like you you can't do what not not everyone can do what they do yeah uh, even if you have like the best support in the world so some of it is genetics but also it's a way of life I know they come they they do sports because and because it's a supportive community we Mm. all go for races together uh, you know and one of my good friends on the club is Richard and Stuart. So like Richard and Stuart and I are the, the three, we're known as the, the three party guys. La. So like mm. we finish running mm. at, at the track, train until like 8.30 and then we we'll jog to the train station but sometimes we we'll stop at the pub and have a drink <laughs> for <laughs> hour and a half. Take it on the UK life. <laughs> go into the pub. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then we'll hop on the train and go home. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I enjoy it. I definitely find that uh, because no, I, I, none of my training partners here in Singapore are my drinking buddies. Like, um, yeah, it's quite separate. separate. Yeah. So, like, my drinking buddies would be those that don't really do sports and would not be sharing the track with me. And those yeah. who do who do my track work with me would not be the same people I go party with. Uh, so, or, like, so, or like socialize with very much. So, there's just that. I find that there are more people who are like me in terms of, like, mindset or, or like, you know, lifestyle in the mm. UK like compared to where here. running and your life is a lot more intertwined. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like r- running is running, like running is part of your social life. It's a social activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, choose. exactly. And you think that helps with performance as well? It, it, uh, I mean, if you're drinking every day, then that's, okay, maybe not detrimental to the performance. Maybe not the drinking bar. But I would say that um, enjoy, uh, having it as part of your social life is beneficial to performance in the sense that the the more you enjoy it, the more likely you are to keep doing it mm-hmm. and, and the more you're having fun doing it the less stressed you are about the performance aspect of it mm. which sometimes like psychology is a very complex um, uh, field but when the pressure is off a lot of people tend to perform better mm-hmm. and you know a lot of them we show a lot of us we show up not because we are we are stressed about our performance and we want to train to get better but because we enjoy the company mm-hmm. and then the good performance is a byproduct of everything so if I would yeah. ask you like if just from your experience why does that not happen in Singapore? Uh, it's hard to tell. I think the fundamental answer is that we don't quite have a sports culture. It's not quite a way of life. You know, mm. we do it in school, but a lot of our kids and parents, you know, they do sport because it's a way to DSA into a good school. Mm. It's not for the sake of doing it. It's always the, a means to an end. Direct school admission. Yes. DSA. Oh, okay. I was going to DSA. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Direct school admission. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why did you start playing hockey when you were in... Because uh, I took a test that told me that, okay, I have more inclination for hockey than other sports, which I initially was like, what the fuck? I don't want to play hockey. But then yeah, I started to enjoy it. La. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So but I will say also that you always have at the back of your mind, la, you know, you do well in CCA, mm. will have you get to a better JC, mm. have you get to a better uni. But then I was thankful that I grew to love it. Mm. Uh, and some of my hockey friends still do play up till this year. Uh, but because of some injuries and all, I stopped. But yeah, it, it started off almost like, okay, this is what I do, but then I grew to love it, which I know doesn't happen mm. for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Um, so, 
even my mom, I think when she encouraged me to do sports, it was more like, hey, don't just have your studies alone. You must have something else mm. for your portfolio kind of thing. So mm. even though she enjoyed running, it was still initially a means to an end. But then I enjoyed running. It came to the point where I, I wanted to take running to the next level. I wanted to, you know, I'm good at this. I want to keep, I want to like throw everything I have into this. I want to like, you know, make, make it as a runner. And then that's when they're like, hey, hey actually like, no need, no need, no need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Typical Asian parents, like, you know, yeah. like, no need, no need, just focus on career, you know, they kind, they kind of, um, so, I mean, again, I do believe that the sports culture is a lot stronger in the UK. That's why, I mean, look at UK sports is, is thriving, like, foot, yeah, football. Yeah. Foot, oh. sorry, it went off for like one second. But like, look at football, it's, a, it's like a way of life. Mm. Whereas here, sports is seen by many parents as a distraction from your studies. studies yeah. And if that attitude is inculcated in a kid from a young age, yeah. there's no chance he's going to like pick up the sp like sports later in life, uh, 25, 30 years old. Mm. It's not mm. something like, oh, finish work already, okay, let's go and play sports. You know, mm. We don't quite see that. Now, Singapore is like, go for brunch. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Ruin, I want to go for brunch. Yeah. Uh -huh. brunch. Wait, you mean <laughs> or what? go for drinks? The social, the social, or like <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, drinks yeah, yeah. or supper or something. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very hard to show adults to go mm. and like play, even yeah. though it's a pickup game or basketball or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it's quite different, I, I notice over there. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, but, I but when you see those people in, your, in the club, like, you know, holding jobs as accountants or, you know, consultants or what, then they run for fun. Mm. Do you see yourself doing that, like, possibly doing that longer term as well. I mean, now you're studying law and, yeah. you know, professional degree and all. I certainly want to because, I mean, running is something that, for me, helps me keep my life in balance, helps me keep my fitness. I always believe that if you are healthy, fit, it should help you be better in other aspects of life as well. Mm -hmm. you know, like a, you fall sick less often. B, your mood, you're better, you're more productive. Yeah. You feel more confident about yourself. So, yeah, I think there is a linear relationship between how uh, how fit and healthy you are and mm. how confident you are in carrying yourself. I but mean, would, you, would you be transitioning to, you know, there are a lot of people who, from running at a younger age, and they transition to other triathlons and Ironman and all these mm. kind of other uh, pursuits. See, for me, I always wondered why people do that because it's like running as one sport is really very hard to train for you don't have enough uh, time then you want to yeah. train for three <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah so but I do think that Ironman has his own appeal it's like it's, it's like a bucket list item for many people okay. like for example is it for you? is it for you? Uh, not at this point of no, time okay. though but like I've had a number of triathletes like encourage me to take on triathlon but I, I don't think I'm a very competitive swimmer and mm. in Singapore I do think training on training for the bike is quite um, dangerous because our, dri <laughs> our, driver, our drivers hate bikers, you know? Well, it's not just about the culture, it's literally our traffic. You have to yeah. train for four sports, swimming, running, cycling and avoiding death. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's the a next one So what's on your bucket list? Uh, never really thought about it. I always wanted to learn surfing. Go to Hawaii. Surfing. Oh, yeah. Surfing. Uh. But any bucket list related to running? Like any particular marathon that you're dying to run or like uh, any kind of race or something? Personally, never lah. But I mean, before I retire, I should definitely try and like finish the six marathon. I mean, all all these are very arbitrary goals, but you know, like someone says, "Oh, I must do Boston." But all this is marketing, lah. You know, like mm. Boston Marathon is marketed as the oldest marathon in the world. Mm. Uh, you know, like it's Boston Heartbreak Hill. They they write articles about it. You they show it on TV. So, 
I mean, yeah, people want to do it, but I also think that it's a marketing, a lot of it's a marketing gimmick, like, you know. Mm. Yeah. There's so many marathons around the world, but why do people want to do these shoes? Because it's marketed well. I see, mm. I see. Yeah. So I've never been one to be a sucker for marketing. Mm. <laughs> so, so you know, on the other side of what we were just talking about is the, the, the corp- not say corporate life, but your alternative career, like your in parallel career, which is law, right? Mm. Uh, you started this degree in 2022. 2020, I started in 2021, September, but ah, I only went to London in 2022, yeah. Okay, and you have how many years left? One. I'll finish my exams for second year, end of this month. And then assuming I pass everything, then one more year, yeah. Okay, and <laughs> what is your specialization in or what, what, what sort of area of law are you focusing on? Well, in, th- in this summer, I'm going to be doing an internship in financial crime prevention at the financial mm. firm Stone X. So, mm. wow. uh, I'm something that you guys might have a bit of interest in given the situation with um the uh was it the, the hook, hook she's hook, a terrorist yeah. yeah she's a terrorist so i mean when i like i mean hearing stories like that observing how you know the world works how corporations work i've always had an interest in criminal law but criminal law is quite a rough field like in, in, in especially in the uk like the criminal barristers are going on strike because by the time you take their salary divided by number of hours they work, they're getting paid less than min- minimum wage. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, they're on strike. Also because, you know, when you, re- when you represent criminals, that many of them, are they can't pay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of lawyers who want more comfortable salaries, they go to corporate, corporate law side, which I think that it makes sense because when you represent, when you work for companies, they tend to have more money to, to compensate for this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for me, I've always... Corporate law, I it's not something I could foresee myself doing every day for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah, maybe to earn money for a while, doable, but I also know many people who are in it just for the money and then they don't actually really enjoy what they do. Mm. Yeah. Whereas like I be, when I interviewed for this position in financial crime prevention, like speaking to the interviewers, going through the process, I felt that it was quite interesting. Mm. Um, anti-money laundering, um, suspicious transactions, stuff like that. Something mm. that I have an interest in, and that's always start, been yeah. in when you said always been an interest in criminal law. So, but this one, you came to get interested in it while studying or during the interview process, or while studying, while exploring options during interview process. Well, and I also did realize that you know, in studying law, I I mean, I always thought you, know, you study law, you naturally become a lawyer. I think most people would think that, but mm. there are actually a lot of careers that value students who have a law degree, but mm. may not want to go and be go on and be a lawyer. For example, like consulting at one of the mm. big big like management consulting one of the big firms like McKinsey Bain or BCG yeah. they do look out for students who have a strong grounding in business or law um, but because law students tend to have good critical thinking skills mm. to, to get through like pages and pages of material and you know and uh, like like go through lots of historical case precedent and statutes in order to like form a cohesive argument and I think that this is a skill that's quite valued, even in careers not related to law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has your has your studies in law has it affected the way you think about running and sports? It definitely helps me understand how decisions are made at a at a policy level. Mm. Yeah, because you study okay. you know like uh, separation of powers. You study like parliament, like how parliament and executive and the ju- judiciary have a relationship, or supposed to have separation of powers better in some countries than others. You can mm. also, you also like see how 
the in some countries, the executive and the judiciary don't have quite have separation of powers, and that's when basically the government can do whatever it wants. Mm, mm, which we mm. see some examples of that around the world. So okay. it's mm. interesting. Too. So this is laying the groundwork for your run for becoming an MP. Oh. <laughs> well, that's that's also why if you look at the MPs, a lot of them have legal Lord, backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. Legal mm. Background. Mm. But so do you enjoy like oh like you know when you read through all those legal documents? Is there a part of you is like oh fuck this, or you actually enjoy dissecting it? You know. Uh, well, th- there are some classes that are definitely more of interest than others. Because mm. I've never been like so academically inclined until like you said, like oh, the, the, the case comes and you can't wait to yeah, dive, into read, it. Yeah, yeah. dive into it. Uh, For me, I was always like in the first year, I liked criminal law and contract law and I was, uh, I always found like property law a bit more challenging and less interesting, at least mm. for, for me. Um, so like you know, p- property, trust, all this have been a bit, not 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 quite my area of interest. Not that I mm. not that I won't go and study it, but like just harder to 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 get a grasp on the concepts. Yeah. Mm. So the, and in law, there's just so many types of different types of law. But you know, as a law student, you have to study everything, and then when you go work as a lawyer, you focus on one or two. So mm. yeah, that's. But but mm-hmm. did your decision to pursue law was it also influenced by your own brushes with like the law in different ways? Oh yeah, certainly, certainly, mm. certainly an um an encounter with some questionable lawyers who are running around in our in our in our Singapore legal mm-hmm. industry. And, and it's quite risky, la, you know, because you you have seen some of these examples of, you know, ill advised cases. For example, there was a client that uh, there was a man that tried to sue Tan Tok Seng Hospital for eight hundred thousand dollars for his mother's mm, uh, for his mother's the for death of his mother. Yeah. I mean, it was an ill-advised case. The lawyer that instigated the case is now currently serving a suspension. Mm. Uh, but you no, know, this is just because the lawyer didn't like because the lawyer advised him to go take on the case. He he lost, and now he's liable for seven hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars in legal costs to Tan Tok Seng. Oh mm, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and and I I think that when these kind of things are reported, it's the client that's on the hook. The lawyer is not the one that is on the hook, even though the lawyer might be the one that's giving advice to do this. I mean, which client would, which client, most like clients would just trust the lawyer. Mm. There's no, very few clients would think they know better than the lawyer, especially in like circumstances like this. And, and the guy in the case, from what I remember, he wasn't very educated also. Mm, I see. So it's very, very bad and very, very damaging to society and to the legal industry to have, you know, like, trigger happy lawyers like that running around but mm. there's a fair number of them in, in Singapore so I think that's something that the law society uh, should be concerned about it seems like they are because it seems like they're clamping down on all these clown lawyers running mm. around yeah I mean even last year uh, like I, I remember the law the legal industry came into the mainstream consciousness when there was that test of like people who were cheating on the law Plagi- exam plagiarism plagiar- yes. Pla- plagiarism right? I thought they were also yeah, yeah, during the exam. Like, yeah. yeah, during yeah. the exam. Yeah. I, yeah. Was it plagiarism? I thought they were just cheating. They were like collaborating. Oh, I, I, mean, I think I guess they that, got that, the questions yeah. beforehand oh, or okay, something. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't remember the details of it, but I do know that recently there was an article written by S. Chandra Mohan who basically saying that to be a lawyer, you first have to be a good person and he was like lamenting the rise in like, um, the rise in in what's this what was this cheating the rise in cheating or the rise in like you know morality issues in mm. the law industry nowadays mm. but i also don't know if it's if it, if more people are that fucked up now or it's just that 
more people are being found out now and mm. it's just been there all people this time. People have been fucked up all the while. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I also agree. I also think people have been fucked up for so long. It's just more of it coming to light now. Like. Yeah, and then with social media, it's very easy for these things to go viral. Like, it can't yeah. be covered up. But, yeah. Yeah. But so, it, the, uh, you know, like, I think we mentioned like the last few years uh, also can were quite tough for you, like, right, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, not being able to represent Singapore and, and things like that. Um, and at the same time, there was COVID, and at the same time, you've embarked on, you know, uh, uh, your your chosen career path, like, right, to study law and all. Um, were there any thoughts in the last few years of like, uh, let's not just let's not pursue this this running thing anymore? You know, uh, hanging up the boots or just saying, yeah, what's the point of fight trying to fight the system or you know, was were there any thoughts like that that ran through your head in the last couple of years? Well. Any thoughts that crossed my head of not running anymore will, will have been nothing to do with the system because to me, I started running way before I represented Singapore. Mm, I could mm. care less whether you asked me to represent Singapore or not. I'm still going to run because it's what, mm. what I enjoy doing. And in a sense, running is an individual sport. So it's very easy for me to, if I really want to prove a point, I, it's very easy to prove a point. Like if you choose a national team that doesn't include me, mm. the next race I meet the national team in, in a local race or whatever, and I beat them, then, you know, who looks dumb like it's not me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was never my concern. But what was my concern was that during the COVID period, like, you know, all our lives were turned upside down, couldn't train for a while, no competition. So that was when it got a bit draining, like in terms of like motivation-wise. Yeah. I mean, so that was how I was like, so I mean, eventually when I decided to study law somewhere during that period, it was, I, I wasn't sure how long more I would be running. I wasn't sure whether the world, how, how soon the world would return to like normal state. Thank God mm. it's pretty much returned to normal mm. state now. Mm. Um, but when I was like kind of intermittently running, not very motivated, I did realize that, you know, I just didn't feel right. Like something was mm. kind of missing in my life. And when I, in 2021, when I resumed like training at a consistent um, level, I found that, you know, things fell into place a lot more easily. And I realized that, you know, it's not that I can't survive without running, but while I can still keep getting better doing it, it does give me a fair amount of excitement, satisfaction, mm-hmm. and opportunities as well. Like, you know, I, I don't think I would have met like guys like yourselves if I wasn't uh, mm-hmm. who I managed to become through, through running. Mm. You know, like stuff like that. Do, do you see yourself competing uh, in running for as long as possible or... Like you will always keep running, but the com- competitive competitive part. Um. Yeah. So that's that's a good point. So like you know, for example, now I train seven times a week. Seven maybe times maybe a week. sometimes eight or nine if I train twice a day on some days. Uh-huh. So that's because I have the time and the energy to do so. Yeah. But, but you know, maybe if you get older, maybe like three five years time. Let's say I get married or take a very demanding job. You no, know, like for example, if let's say I got a very high paying job offer at a consultancy firm mm. or a bank or a bank or a law firm and they say, oh, we're going to pay you like 100,000 pounds to start with us but working hours will be like, you know, 60, 80 hours a week. Mm. Yeah. It'll be a bit hard to say, to put to turn that down because you don't know whether an offer like that is going to come again. Mm-hmm. So you, if you take up the offer, you have to be prepared that, you know, instead of running like seven times a week, maybe you can only run like five or four. And obviously, if you're putting in that amount of training, you're not going to have the same results as you were having sometimes a week. And, like, and so, yeah, so that, that will be the trade-off. I do think I'll keep running because it's, everyone wants to exercise. It's not yeah. like you take a job and then you just go sedentary Mm-mm-mm. for the rest of your life, right? That's yeah. not healthy either. 
Yeah. Um, so I do think that I would always like try and stay fit. I always keep in touch with the sport. But if I wasn't at a level where I can feel like I can respect my own performance, I probably wouldn't go for competitions and and not where where I'm not satisfied with my own level of fitness. But, but yeah. this is true, huh? like because I've worked in finance both in the US and in Singapore, and people overseas, at least in the US, they respect your you know your time out of work a mm. lot more. Than they do in Singapore. Mm. In oh, Singapore, so you feel that? Oh well, for sure, for sure. Yeah. They, they respect what you do outside of work. Or they respect yeah, the they, time if outside. They know of work? that you have some, you know, uh, a big hobby that you do outside of work. That maybe you even get like, you know, you're representing your country or it's a something you get paid outside of work for. If you tell people oh, I need to take some time off to do this and all, they'll be okay, you know. Uh, whereas in Singapore, it's much more like. Oh, how do we? Oh, how do we cover for your for you while you're gone? And exactly. They, exactly. Yeah, they don't really. Yeah. It, it's really all about the work part, and then everything else you do is ECA lah. It's extracurricular yeah. thing. Correct. Correct. So does that make you? Does that affect you in terms of thinking where you want to live and work for yeah. the next few years of your life? Spot on. Um, where do you mind me asking? Which cities do you work in in the US? Uh, New York. Yeah. Manhattan, New York. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. New York is already quite uh competitive. Really, yeah, yeah. But you, just the, you work the, in a bank, is it? Yeah, the bank. And the place was just I mean, New York itself is such a melting pot of different yeah. jobs. Which, which bank did you work at? A very small uh, boutique bank called Evercall Partners. Uh. Yeah, you yeah. studied there? Yeah, stu- we, we both studied in the in the US, Philadelphia. Mm. So that's where we met. Yeah, in uni. In yeah. UPenn. Yeah, UPenn. Yes, UPenn. Oh, yeah, both yeah, of yeah. you went to UPenn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Both of you got Ivy League. Uh. Proud, uh, uh, yeah. proud alumni <laughs> alongside uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Jolo of one and maybe Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, Elon Musk, yeah, uh, Ivanka Trump also very oh, proud. Uh, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. then you guys worked there, and then you came back together. No, I was bonded because I was I got uh, I was bonded to SIA because they sponsored my education. Oh, so you worked at SIA and then you came out after yeah, how yeah. many years? I was at SIA for two years at Scoot for three years. So my bond was four years. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was one of the few scholarships with a four year bond. Nice. Uh, which nice. was great, lah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so. We we didn't even study media or film or anything. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in media or anything. Right. But, but then we stumbled into it. Then we met because we were both part of Club Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> Singaporeans. Because he was two years uh, older than me. Okay. What did you yeah. guys study? I studied finance and psychology. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did mechanical engineering and entrepreneurship. Nice. And then uh, how many years did you work in New York? Uh, two years in New York. Eh? Yeah. But uh, even like like you, you know, in university, I was doing internships in like California and things like that. Nice. So, and one time I did intern in a bank in Singapore. And that's where I, you know, understood the culture in Singapore versus what the culture was yes. uh, in the US. Lah, whether it was East Coast or West Coast. Very different. What, what was the working hours like? 80, in Singapore? No, no. Um, well, we start with the U, uh, US, um, New York. Pretty much, I'd be at work between 9.30 to 10 a.m. Uh, every day. Yes. I would leave, the earliest would be 10 p.m. Okay. Oh earliest. God. Like, okay. 10 p.m. is considered a great day. Okay. Yeah. Then dinner every day is in the office. And that was okay. investment banking. Investment like. banking. Uh, yeah. Analysts, oh, okay. like, the first, those two years. La. But the pay is good, la, you know, for these things. Uh, it, I mean, the, the bonuses were very good. La. And mm. this was, like, you know, the late 2000s already. So, mm. at that point in time, there was Lehman Brothers and all, but the bonuses were still, finance was still, like, seen as, like, oh, you know, uh, premium kind of job and all that. Yes. Now, I'm not sure. I think I think now there's probably a bit more uh, work-life balance and things like that. But it's still a very intense job that requires you to drop everything you're doing and, and come to the office. Yes. But that's it. it. During the months of summer, uh, a lot of the partners and all, they go for long vacations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's just less work to do. Yeah, and yeah. I love being in the office. I loved being in the office over Christmas because nobody would be around. Yes. And then, 
you just come in, then Relax. there's lunch and everything, yeah. and just meet your friends, and you go home by like maybe eight pm like, on a on okay. a during Christmas period like. yeah, okay. yeah. And then what was your experience here when you were working in the bank here? I, I, I yeah, here is just there's no we got no summer holiday right in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people are just yeah the same thing. They would work those hours uh till ten pm everything, but there was just you ask people about there's no talk about oh your next holiday no or life next vacation of yeah or less uh, sometimes we there was the occasional let's go running yeah at like nine p.m. then we go and run Marina uh, Marina uh, Bay that area yeah so but it was still very much like okay we're done running let's go back to office and do more work until midnight and then yes. and go home uh. so that's the culture so that's why I'm like wow how how is it how how are you gonna if you want to carry on running and all uh, yeah yeah exactly how, how to balance that in Singapore uh? yeah so. I would say that, I mean, and this is a word of advice to anyone who's looking to do balance a career and do sports at a high level. Try not to do it in Singapore, lah. Because <laughs> 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 he doesn't have one piece of advice. Yeah, one piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever Terence said, I, I I do identify with the. It's, it's just the culture here, and, and and it's almost like if you have too much going on outside the office. Let's say you are a good athlete or a good influencer and you spend a lot of time doing that kind of stuff mm. it's almost like people in the office think hey this guy has too much time la, you know mm. like he has too much time he's doing well and stuff not ready to work actually he can spend more time on work Yeah, because I in in my past uh, jobs I have had I have heard people pass these kind of comments when I was like hey, I was going to see games I was winning medals you know or yeah. like I was getting out of the office and breaking records national records and like I think part of it might be jealousy Mm. Uh, Singaporeans were quite competitive. It's from a from a young age. I think you know, compare who has more marks, and you know, I I think we do have a bit of a that culture is deep seated and it's going mm. to take a lot of time to change. But you know, my friend who is a he he he's a lawyer now. Mm. He used to be a sprinter, and he's quite a good looking guy, influencer. So. I mean, same as Timothy lah. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no point trying to, to hide. I think too many, so many clues really. But yeah. I, I did notice he toned down his social media because he uh, used to, you know, like, you know, handsome, handsome one, take, 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 oh, take yes, the, yes, yeah. all these like selfie videos and everything. Mm. And I did notice he toned down. So I, I did ask him, I said, hey, like, ever since you started full-time work, like, toned down a bit earlier. He was like, yeah lah, you know, like, I don't want people to think that I have a lot of time outside mm. the office to to do all these things. Mm. So I, he said, it's really about the image that you project. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he said people will get jealous and people will complain and like, office politics and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh shit, man. I mean, like, you can't even be yourself on social media because uh, you can't even have your own life properly and like showcase it, yeah. your own life outside the office because people will think you're too free. Yeah. yeah. You can't yeah. celebrate your wins outside of work and all that. Yeah. That much, right? yeah. yeah. I remember one yeah. friend of mine who I went to JC with, he's in, uh, uh, he works in Singapore, you know, in some way civil service and he climbed Everest. Uh, like, mm. He took a year off to climb Everest and he came back, I was like, oh, so how, you know, your colleagues, are they like, oh, you climb Everest? He's like, no, no one cares. <laughs> I was like, what? You climb Everest? He was like, yep. Nothing has changed. In fact, he set himself back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. Year. By one year, yeah. So I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? But yeah, like, like uh, I, I, I was shocked by that. And I mean, for me, my limited time with SIA, uh, that was early on. The hours were not crazy because uh, it was a big corporate. With Scoot, we were just starting out. The hours were crazy, but because it was a small company, because my bosses there were were very encouraging to having this this outside life thing. When I did an ultra marathon, they even subsidized the the fee uh, a mm. bit. Mm. Uh, I, I I cut my hair in the shape of a yellow airplane mm. then I told okay I'm going to do this so can you all just subsidize a bit of it yeah sure because good colors <laughs> are yellow like. mm. yeah. then I was like oh fuck this can actually happen and of course now we run our own thing but and th- that was in the days of uh, not even like smartphones so much you know now like 
the separation between work, I can imagine if you're working in a corporate, it never ends. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, uh, last time, at least early on, 2009, when I started working, is that you have a work laptop, but you don't, yes. have, you don't have email on your phone, la, you know? Yes. Whereas now, I can't imagine, I, I can imagine even being worse la, now. Mm. So, so yeah, the, the whole culture thing, like what you said about the recreational side of sport in the UK, I can, I can imagine, I can imagine that. La. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely feel that by taking part in cross-country races and then we all go to the pub after, so like, we have 50 of us representing the same club. We go into the mud. We, we like we wear our heart and our sleeve. We give it our all for the club. Try and win the cross-country championship. And then after that, we'll go and have drinks at the pub. Mm. Rather than go home right away, we all go, mm. 50 of us all go have drinks at the pub. And mm. the girls will race somewhere else and they come and join us as well. Mm. I do feel that it's a great place to network. Mm. I mean, if you are single... Uh, if you're single, it's a good place to potentially meet, meet yeah, uh, like a, a partner. But if you're also looking for a job, I mean, so I have friends, I have teammates who they are decent runners, and they work at you know McKinsey and 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 McKinsey, and one, one of the most at McKinsey, like, like good mm-hmm. positions, and and because I'm quite a solid runner, like you no, know, they they it does catch their eye, and I ever felt that if I wanted to work at one of these like like good firms they can put in a good word for me mm. yeah because because of the networking that we have through sports so I genuinely feel that we can get sports is a good way to you know meet people outside of the circle that you otherwise never have met mm. outside of your circle that you others wouldn't have met and I feel that you know that social element is important so people mm. come for sports as a way to you know enjoy themselves keep fit and network then that's when it's quite holistic mm. Singapore yeah. or golf lah Correct, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tennis, tennis also. Tennis also. Golf and tennis. Uh. Yeah. But, but so, they're saying that if a firm comes to you with a very good, you know, financial offer and everything, mm. but they tell you, sorry, Ryong, you cannot, uh, you can't run anymore. Uh, maybe, maximum, maybe two or three times a week, maybe you can run. But you can't, other than that, you can't like compete in races and marathons mm. or that anymore. Would that be a, a just a blanket no for you or you still well, consider? Well, I think this would happen in, the earliest it would happen is next year. Yeah. So, obviously have to assess financial situation, um, assess like, you know, opportunities and everything. But I, I do agree that if you take one of these, uh, I mean, life is about choices. Mm. You mm. can't work a half a million dollar paying job and have the time to go on vacation half the year. Mm. Mm. Some people figure it out. Um, mm. But usually it's, uh, industries like crypto that end up crashing and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, oh, I know a lot of people who are earning half a million and taking vacation. Suddenly we see Soru Yong NFTs. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, some people do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, generally, they're the exception rather than the rule. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, hopefully, I mean, we all, hopefully we all find something that we are happy to do in our life. Like, like, I mean, if you if you ask me to do something that I hate doing, even hundred thousand dollars a year might not be might not be worth it. You know, to give mm. up everything in your life to do something that you hate. Mm. So I think mm. that I think there are enough opportunities in the world that you know you can find something that you that you like doing enough and get compensated enough for it. Mm. And that's when you know you got a good balance in life. But have you thought about like going back to the at- the field of athletics, like uh, I don't know, like law in athletics. Uh, sports. So if I did do it, sports law, it w- it cannot be in Singapore. It mm. has to be in the UK mm. or somewhere that has a market for sports law. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, in the UK there are a lot of opportunities that you can go and be a lawyer for Manchester United. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, 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 and like help draft the contracts and stuff like that. And, yeah. and there's so many sports 
um, companies, not in the sports law firms that handle contracts for a lot yeah. of these like professional clubs and athletes. Mm. Imagine the lawyers when Ronaldo did his interview. Like, oh you know, yeah, scrambling that, to do yeah, that. We get the lawyers yeah. and we're like, oh fuck, <laughs> drop everything. No, oh, I can't go running today. Ronaldo just drops <laughs> yeah, the fucking Ronaldo. This <laughs> <laughs> you guys are both Man U fans, I must be. Uh, I, I was a Ronaldo. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed the the whole like you know yeah. the re- return of the prodigal son. The story was very beautiful. Fucking, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Man U fan. I mean, I'm not like a diehard Man U fan anymore. Uh, but I was a diehard Ronaldo fan, la. So yeah. now I'm like, oh, conflicted, uh, conflicted. I'm like, I love you so much. Why are you going to do that? Yeah. Uh, Actually, yeah. What do you, what do you think? But what what do you yeah. think of of what he did? Uh, you're you're a Man U fan. Sorry, you're a Man U fan or Ronaldo fan? I'm or? a Liverpool fan actually. Oh, a Liverpool, Liverpool fan. But I I I will confess that I always had a s- appreciation for Ronaldo, even when uh. he was playing for Manchester United. There's mm. that grudging respect. I never hated him. Yeah. Mm. There are many mm. fans that hate Ronaldo, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm a Liverpool fan, and I actually like watching this guy. They play. hate after what happened, like. After what he did. Maybe I got some uh, some friends who say I don't know who Ronaldo is anymore. <laughs> uh, he doesn't exist to me. Tell me, huh? But I mean, he's okay. done a lot more good than bad for the club. Yeah, la. you Let's can disagree with yeah. the interview, but holy shit! I remember it was a monumental thing for me seeing him as that like seventeen year old yes. guy just dominate the world. La. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was fucking great. La. So actually, so this lawyer friend of mine, Timothy, he's a Man U fan, and when Ronaldo's interview dropped, he sent it to me, and he said that this is you, basically like. <laughs> 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 it's like this is you and um, Singapore. Uh, SNOC or, or Singapore or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then I watched it and I was like, oh wow, like this is a powerful, powerful interview. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, obviously, the, the stakes are a lot higher for Ronaldo. Mm. And it was interesting because I, we all knew that he was unhappy there. Yeah. There were the signs, but he has never been one to come out and and blast yeah. his establishment. I think yeah. he, for the most part, he's been quite a soldier. You know, like he's not happy. Yeah. He also keep it. He also keep it in. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh. He's got a good PR team around him also. So I'm sure a lot of his frustrations are like, like filtered out uh. before it reaches. But that was like, oh wow! He just went in front of the whole world and smashed Manchester United. Everything from you know like no, uh, they have training facilities haven't progressed in ten years. Yeah. You know, like the. the club culture sucks the coach he doesn't respect uh, the coach yeah. he doesn't respect but I mean I, to that point I think Eric Ten Hag is doing a seemingly doing a good job yeah. better than mm-hmm. his win rate is better than any of the other managers yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, it's like 73% or something yeah. like that. so you can't argue with these numbers but I just like I, I do I mean like I, it, it was quite eye opening to see that even at the club of Manchester United level that, that, that some of these similar politics happen, Can happen yeah, yeah. Mm. similar politics happen and I also so, think that most of all, he didn't feature in Ten Hag's plans, uh, which was why like he felt he had nothing to lose, mm. forced his way out. So do you reply to him with like, yeah, I can see myself, or like, eh, no lah, don't, don't give me this shit, no. No lah, I, <laughs> I just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it, then I was like, I think I, I ended up talking about it, I was like, oh wow, I didn't expect him to like, yeah, we watched it also, then we were like, hmm. I mean, on one hand, you can kind of see his point, but the way he did it was like... And then at the World Cup, you know, that video of him walking off, tearing up, yeah. wow, wow, that one, I was like, fuck, shit. Because mm. I've always been Team Ronaldo over Team Messi. La. Oh, is it? Why so? Uh, I mean, because I think Messi is like gifted. He's talented. But Ronaldo, I just found it very inspiring. Like his... Const- like people Im- can improve and then plateau, improve and plateau. He was just like improving all the way, the way he adapted his game. 
the passion he shows, the way he maintains his body, just fucking, I really respect. Whereas mm. Messi is almost like cheat code. Mm. Yeah. He's just like, when he just entered his cheat code. You see the stuff he does, he's like, okay, this is impossible and only he can do it. So who's the most talented footballer? I would say him. But to me, Ronaldo, interview aside, uh, mm. was still the greatest. For, for me, but, even the interview, I felt like there's a way to, I mean, he went through quite a lot. It's, personally in, yeah. the, in the the six to twelve months prior to that. Yeah. And you don't know how the club handled it, right? You yeah, know? yeah. Like and, and the kind of things he was going through his family. You know, if uh, you know it's if it's really bad, I can understand why he felt so much grievances yeah. towards it. Uh. So yeah. we don't we'll never know because but we never know what I, happened. I, I, I would say what the takeaway is is that, you know, at the end of the day, corporations are corporations mm. and like individuals working for corporations are you're their worker fair and mm. simple no one is family no one is like you know corporations can try and make you have the illusion of a family mm. but we're all expendable mm. and mm. when Ronaldo felt that he was being treated like he said as, as a piece of meat I'm like hey, sorry man that's all of us yeah yeah. maybe he was treated like a superstar most superstar of the time superstar period of meat but, mm. but yeah. even he at the end of the day he's treated like you know just another employee la. Yeah. So would you have advised him to take that, to do the interview if you were, you know, like his advisor, his legal advisor or anything? Well, if the, if I would say that if he wanted to force his way out, then he got what he wanted. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So at the end of the day, I don't know what the motivation was for doing that. Mm. But it made for a good show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and Piers Morgan was like lapping it up. Right? Of course yeah, he's yeah. an Arsenal yeah. fan. Right? For him, it's a win-win-win. You know? <laughs> get destroyed he, by uh, you he, also. He, his content views went way up. Yeah. He gets to have a whole day with milking Ronaldo's content yeah. he gets to fuck Man U yeah. and then and then <laughs> yeah, yeah it was yeah it was just painful to painful to watch la. Yeah. and then I mean the World Cup Messi won the World Cup so can't deny that but yeah interesting la, interesting, uh, interesting. It's actually a similar thing happened with Fernando Torres at Liverpool just that Torres never did such an interview but like he was he was Torres fell out with Liverpool and that's why he left mm. and went to Chelsea but I a mean, lot of yeah actually these falling outs they happen quite a bit yeah. It's just because it's Ronaldo. Because it's Ronaldo, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Most follow guy on Instagram, right? Was he? Still, yeah, still yeah, is. Yeah, 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 500 million plus. Yeah, so for him to do that, it's just kind of crazy, breaks, the, breaks the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, looking back at like the, the past few years as you gear up to this competition and all, like I know you said that you're you're a different runner now, you know, your body's different. But anything else about you that has changed, like mentally, psychologically, you know? Yes, I think definitely developed... <laughs> Over the years, I would say that, you know, in 2015, 2017, a lot, obviously a lot more inexperience. In 2015, when I competed at the SEA Games, it was my only my second ever marathon. Now mm. I run like 11 marathons. So it's like, I kind of know what's going to happen, what to expect, how best to prepare. But I also lost a bit of that, that excitement. You know, now when I told a start line, right, I don't feel the butterflies in my stomach. I don't mm, feel no. the the... In some ways, it's good because last time I used to be so nervous, right? I feel like I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna throw up because oh. once the race starts, it's okay. Yeah. But I do feel that having those nerves, having that adrenaline, drives you to achieve performances that you cannot achieve with uh, on a, on a normal state of mind, a yeah. normal state of mind. And now I struggle to 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 bring myself to that level that I can that have that level of adrenaline that can that can help me oh. like push myself to performances that I've never seen before. Oh. Yeah. It's a lot rarer now. Rather, so then, then what what gives you butterflies in the stomach these days? Like what? Uh? Yeah. yeah. Good question, man. It's been a it's been a while. I should say my girlfriend. Uh. Yeah. 
哇，老人 ，so sweet， 老人哟。You gotta send her this clip, right? You gotta send her this clip. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, so someone, I mean, you've been dating someone for for quite a while now. I remember it'll like, be one year in June. Yeah, yeah just, it was yeah, just before you year, left yeah. for London and and everything, right? Where? Oh no, no, actually, I met her in London. She was there. Oh, you met her in London. Yeah, she was there on holiday. Oh, oh. yeah. So, so my girlfriend's Thai, but she she goes to Shanghai University, but she, she was visiting London on holiday, and that's when I met her. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Like running? Amazing. No, she she doesn't. Okay, all the girls I've dated, and <laughs> and including her, have not been runners. Ah, uh, yeah. I see, I see, I see. I just went up to her and said hi, lah. Wow. Yeah, I was leaving a nightclub. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Uh, and then so, the rest, they so see the lights came on. Right? And I was like, yeah, I never see that girl the whole night. Like, like quite pretty. So I went up and I said hello. No, uh, no, no butterflies in the stomach when you do that. Like, but it pushed him to performance. <laughs> alcohol in the stomach. All the butterflies drown already because all the alcohol in the stomach. Maybe that's why you need a shot before every race, right? then you get the butterflies in the stomach. So yeah. then you met at a club. Then after that, because she was on holiday, how long was she there on holiday? She so when I met her, she only had like three weeks left in London. Oh uh, yeah, so I so we met a few times and then eventually, uh, we we didn't we didn't start dating or anything. She went mm. she went back to Thailand, kept in touch, and then uh, as when the summer came about, she was like. Are you seeing? Any, I I just want to ask. Are you seeing anyone? I'm like, no. So I'm thinking of visiting you. So if you're seeing anyone, let me know. Don't don't waste my time. I'm uh, like, no, oh. I really don't have. Then then she came over. La. Oh, so wow. then when she came over, then it became official. La. Yeah, like she came I over. See. Then a few weeks later, then became official. So la. now she still wow. gives you butterflies in the stomach. That's great, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a long distance, is it? Yeah, so, yeah, long distance. So that means wow. when you're going at the airport, picking up, it's a lot of butterflies, la, is it? Yeah, yeah. Still, I mean, like oh. it, it's nice to. I mean, I I think that long distance has that appeal to it. Like, of course, there are challenges, but for me, I think I deal with long distance very well because when my partner is not around, I just focus on my own stuff. Mm. Like, you know, I've I have to train, I have to sleep, I have to study. And you've, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we all know that you deal with long distance very well, like, literally, <laughs> right? So, isn't that so? Poetic, Every man? form of long distance, <laughs> yeah. running, relationships, you know? but but sometimes she's also like. She was like, "Hey, do you miss me? Uh? you never messaged me a lot today, you know. Like, do you do you still do you do love me or not?" Then I'm like, hey, "You know, I do. It's just that you know I've been busy. And then when you're uh, not around, I tend to do my own stuff. But I think this normal, like, you know, for for most yeah, most guys and girls most relationships. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So okay, so so glad to know that's going great. Like you still get butterflies and all. But is it something that has changed your approach to running as well? Yes. So." Grew a bit wiser in terms of training over the years. You know, like in last time, a bit trial, a bit of trial and error. You know, I I'll read what the best in the world do for training. I was like, okay, if they run two hundred k a week or one hundred sixty k a week, I need to minimum try and push myself run one hundred sixty k a week. Mm. Then like I would I would achieve good levels of fitness, but I'll often get injured mm. from from like just overloading the body because you know these professionals they eat, sleep, and train. And yeah. Like for me, I always had school or other stuff and just you know. Body sometimes it's your body type or so. Yeah. Some people can take more punishment than others. But over the years, especially like that's why I said, um, the last five years when I wasn't representing Singapore gave me a chance to to calibrate my training, mm. train less, figure out what works. So, mm. my two C games, right? I the first C games went quite well. I only had like one injury in the in the build up, but the second C games was quite rocky. Like, I had mm. like a problem with my heel, I had a problem with my hamstring. So like here and there, here and there. Eventually, I made it to the start line. With my heel like quite heavily taped up, uh-huh. managed to win. After that, I felt like it was a, there was a knife in my heel oh, like for for the rest for the rest of the week. Yeah, and then so I had plantar fasciitis in the build up to my second C games, and 
when I was running the things oh, as well. Okay. So I, I wasn't, yeah, I would say I was a fit athlete, but I had all these underlying like injuries that meant that I wasn't very healthy also. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it does cause a lot of like frustration like, because, you know, when you like it, let's say last time it, it, I was training like I was last time when I stand up and I walk, right, my heel will be like, I feel mm. like there's a problem with like a, a knife in my heel and I'm limping out the door. Yeah, yeah. So it does affect your your welfare as well. So so now yeah. going into this race, uh, you're 31. Like, is that like how does that compare with the ages of the other runners in your events? Um, I I I definitely will be one of the older ones, but mm. there will be runners who are older than myself. I mean, the guy who won the five and ten k in the last year games, I think he was like 33 or 34 years old when he won. So is he still running? Sizes. Uh, he's, he's Vietnamese and I, I haven't really followed. Basically, uh-huh. right, I haven't had time to research anyone. I've just been focusing on my own shit because like, uh-huh. I just got confirmed a week ago and at this point of time, it's like, I'm just going to focus on my own stuff and get in the best shape I can because no point looking at other people if I'm not in shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that, that's good. Uh. That's yeah. Because my, my, my question was actually going to be like, as a competitive runner, is it always like, you study your competitors beforehand. You you, you, you a... should you should, but your priority is always yourself. Like if yeah. you're if you're in shape, then you can start thinking about tactics. But for me, at this point of time, I'm just trying to get in shape, and then when I get there, I look at who's running, and then maybe maybe think a bit about tactics. Yeah. Also, it is a very tactical thing, also like, at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, three medals, right? So it's a it's like you know pit- pitting your strengths and weaknesses against theirs. Mm. Yeah, because some people yeah, long distance is like for example. Let's say at 5,000 meters, most of us can run below 15 minutes for 5,000 meters. Mm. But if you control the race and, you know, you, you run slowly and you make everyone follow you and you run 16 minutes, then it becomes less of who has the best fitness, but who has the best, like, last, last lap finishing kick. Mm. And but some, how can you control? What do you mean when you say control? We go race? to the front. So you can go to the front of the race and then you run a slower pace. And you make it such that if they want to overtake you, they have to move on your outside and then you can you can oh you can yeah you yeah. can kind of block them off it, mm. it's like F1 um, la, you know yeah, 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 yeah like yeah. F1 you never watch Physical I mean, like, yeah. 100 man Physical 100 <laughs> like everything do you watch do you want to see the Netflix show Physical I have 100? not watched it I've heard a lot it's about nice, it man. Yeah. It's good, everyone it's I've met since I've been back has asked me this question yeah, I feel yeah. like yeah. you'd be the, the perfect person to compete in Physical 100 it's quite yeah. a but I, I from what I understand the body types are quite like yes, yes. But bulky they, right they do not me. have they do have competitions that do favour uh, stamina okay and everything okay, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how you know a long distance athlete yeah. uh, okay. performs Terrence well. learns a lot about, about life from Netflix so physical <laughs> 100 teaches him about athletics uh, what are arranged marriage teaches him what? Uh, India, Indian matchmaking Indian, Indian matchmaking, matchmaking teaches him <laughs> about uh, Indian, Indian culture, culture. Yes. Yeah, so that's his, his and, primary and, source and, of education and, uh, uh, the Ronaldo's uh, wife's girlfriend's about show the yeah, Gia yeah, or something. I learned about sports also true that's yeah. a fucking boring <laughs> show sure yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, that's why I, I thought it'd be, you know, someone like you would be a great candidate for a show like that. Yeah. Like, you know, and then when I'm retired, yeah. I put on, put on some muscle mass and then I put my name up. But mm. must speak Korean, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I must speak Korean. I must speak Korean. Yeah. Maybe okay. there'll be an English version yeah. or something. Uh. So so now how many weeks do you have left? Mm. So uh, now in the middle of the second week, I have, I know I have six weeks to prepare and I finished my first week last week. Okay. Yeah. And when are you flying off to Cambodia? The 6th of May. 6th of May. Yeah. And you'll be flying from the UK? No, no, I'm flying from here. Oh, flying from here. Yeah. Because you have an exam 4th of May from here. 
Yeah, from uh, well, I finish on the fourth of May from here. Yeah. Wow, oh, yeah. this is like the the this is a good example for all Singaporean parents, uh. Yeah, you know, like finish exam. Finish exam. Then yeah. still going <laughs> to compete C yeah, games. That's right. So yeah, this is the this is the blueprint for what a you know a real Singaporean achiever should be so, like. So, so uh, it's a good point because you know in Singapore, right? And I think I I really disagree with this MOE policy, but. MOE makes a lot of school CCAs, like stand-down CCAs, like mm. three months out from PSLE yeah, or yeah, Olympic yeah, exams. Yeah. But that's not the real world, like, you know? Like, you know, you have a wife, you have a family. Are you going to stand down your family if, like, you have to prepare for a project at work for, like, yeah. three months? Or, you, hey, or don't, you, don't tempt Harish, don't tempt Harish. Yeah. <laughs> <still kill me. laughs> no, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't yeah. yeah, so, like, for example, then, like, now I have to go for C games and I'm studying law. I mean, can... Sorry, like, I mean, your secondary school exams are not going to be harder than, than this. And then they are competing. Then you don't let them even train. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're going to put in their extra six hours a week into studying. In fact, they might be bouncing off the walls because these kids are no, nowhere else to expand their energy. Mm, that's and, true. And if anything, it's not teaching people about time management and balance. So, like, yeah. I, my coach, Stephen Quack, has always, like, he always held unofficial training sessions for us. And it's like, he said, it's optional. Uh, I cannot say it's compulsory because your school doesn't allow me to say it's compulsory but it's optional but you also know that like, if you really optional then you don't go you're not on the team la, next year <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's true I remember in school when playing hockey during hockey season start of the year all the tests you had care on because you mm. know when the actual test matters you're not going to have hockey <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. so all our results will be shit and then we pick it up so but I mean yeah it, so that means it's going to be quite intense for you from now till then la. Yeah, yeah, and will you be sharing like your journey on Facebook or or anything? Or if people want to keep keep up to date with like your racing and all, mm. I, I'm trying to do end of the week update. So like you know, because I think that there's there's a good amount of excitement because I haven't gone to Sea Games in yeah. in five years, yeah, right? Yeah. So at the end of every like end of last week, I shared. Okay, this is I mean like I'll be logging my weekly training log. So this is what I did this week: then Monday, this Tuesday, that all the way to Sunday, total mileage for the week, like 118 kilometers. And it seems like people like that kind of content. Yeah, so yeah. I want to do it again at the end of the second week. Yeah, but So the best place to follow you would be Facebook or Instagram or? Both, both Facebook and mm. Instagram. I, I mean, like, I mean, you you both would know that the content that does well on Facebook is different from the content that does well on Instagram. Yeah. 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 Facebook, I think the written captions can be powerful enough, but Instagram, like you really need a photo to carry the, the story. Mm. And then now you're on LinkedIn also, like you're a LinkedIn yeah. bro already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm not gonna post running stuff. Generally, yeah. don't post running stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I see, I see, I Actually, see. can I just say that uh, you know, everything you know, there's been so much negative news about everything: the economy, politics, war, uh, even our you know other athletes, Singapore athletes, also got issues and all this thing. So your story of you coming back, reconciling with uh, whatever organizations and all. And now being back in your prime to represent Singapore again, it's a big, it's one shining light in this sea of negativity. Uh. So I would, I want to say it's an amazing thing. We, I had it as a yeah. one choke thing, right? I think when it was announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Correct, so correct. I think we're very happy, and, and we're all. I think Singapore will will really get behind you because I think you've also shown that you know, um, you're someone who also reflects and you think very hard about where you want to be and everything. So it's a very good story for a lot of people to follow. Uh. And we're all rooting for you for this season. Yeah, man. So. Thanks, man. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, no, Thanks, really, really. Yeah. yeah. And the race will be televised also, right? Uh, yeah, it'll be televised. It'll be on YouTube. Yeah. And it's a bit different from my RC games because like last time the marathon, you can't really follow the race because it's like in, in the roads. Mm. I was like, they don't have a live telecast. But now on the track, you know, I'll be, both my races will be fully televised. 
Oh, oh that'd yeah, be fucking awesome. great. Yeah, Re- really, really fucking happy that. We, yeah, when we saw the news, we were like, oh, yes. And then when you told me you were in Singapore, even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. That's yeah. great, man. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a good reintroduction. I mean, I'm not expecting too much because of the just the circumstances, but mm. I do want to use this as a chance to get excited again, represent Singapore again, and get into the groove. But realistically speaking, I would say two years' time, that would be my real chance to come back with a gold medal from the Bangkok Sea Games. Mm. Yeah, this one will be Try my best. Like any color medal will be good, but even if I don't get anything, it'll be it'll be just a good experience to be back. Mm, yeah. Awesome, awesome. That's just oh, that's just the circumstances. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah. awesome. Uh, and I know our listeners also will will have your back. Thank you. Uh, I mean, same mm. thing on on Reddit. And now you're not eating any crackers, so there won't be <laughs> yeah. anyone saying that that, that you're. This guy is rude, yeah. <laughs> Boy, there's no respect for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah so so I mean now shall we move on to and end off with our one show thing yes yes yeah would you like it. to to go first Terrence? Uh, as always uh, in line with what I always do I'm watching a lot of TV there's a season 4 of the show You which mm. is uh, coincidentally takes place now in London it's a story of a guy who a serial killer who loves his expert at stalking women oh my girlfriend loves that ah uh, yes, yes, yes 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 you yeah. yeah so there's been three seasons already uh, it was in New York then I think California and California and now he has ran to he's run to London, and that's where he's doing his thing. And they make it in the style of a British whodunit kind of mystery. Mm. Uh, so it's quite it's quite an interesting take on the on you, that genre. You, I think the previous seasons also have been your one show thing before. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. And uh, the lead actor Penn Batchley looks like a young Jose Mourinho. Uh, ah. There's all these <laughs> jokes about it, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's a good watch uh, and a very British whodunit style. I yeah. see, I see. Uh okay, my one shock thing is uh the last weekend I watched John Wick four. Ah, mm. uh, uh, there we go. Yeah, and I mean I prepared because a few weeks ago I watched John Wick three on Netflix just to get get up to speed, and John Wick four was amazing. Mm. Um, it's just one of those shows that that you turn off your brain and you accept it for what it <laughs> is because it's a beautiful film, beautifully shot. The action and choreography is so awesome, and you can't not love Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's what two hours forty minutes. Uh, and it just went by. It it was, it was really amazing, lah. And I and I think and you you're a fan of John Wick also, right? I'm a fan of John Wick, and I'm a fan of Donnie Yen. And to see Keanu Reeves, Donnie Yen, and Lawrence yeah. Fishburne uh, in the same movie, you never thought you'd see the day. Yeah, it's yeah. it's insane. <laughs> and and I mean the sad thing also was one of the characters also passed on in real life recently. The the hotel. Uh, ah hotel. yes yes yeah. yes. So, the concierge. Yeah. yeah, the concierge. So so it just feels like wow. There's there's so much, uh, like almost this this film is almost like a label of love. Even the director was Keanu Reeves stunt double in the Matrix. Mm. Ah. yeah. So the oh. whole John Wick thing was kind of the, something they worked on together, la. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and that's why you know, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is also there. You know, Morpheus and Neo. Yes, and yes, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I just I just loved it. Uh, I know Tristan loved it as well. He yeah. called it the Chef's Kiss. Um, oh, okay. uh, very good, case. very good. I so yeah, so you should you should watch it. Uh, you should watch it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. I and mean, what about you, man? My one shock thing is she's a terrorist, and I love her, uh, man. Uh, hey, we didn't we didn't ask you to say that. They didn't ask me, but ever since one and a half years ago, I walked in here. I remember I saw that poster on the wall, and I asked, "What the hell is that?" Like I've yeah. never seen it. And then you told me the whole story about how you know that you guys were you funded to do it, and then you guys had to employ all your 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 actors and actresses to to work for you and then eventually everything fell through but I think very very lots of respect to the two of you because you guys held up your end of the deal you guys paid mm. 
your mm. staff. Mm. And then you guys went out of pocket to pay that and you guys like actually went into debt doing it. So it was, I mean, it was a very, very respectable move on, I mean, like I can, I, for, for me, that's a lot of moral courage mm. and to put yourself in that position. So when you guys finally published it, um, I thought it was quite, it was very cathartic. I watched the first two episodes with my mom. Uh, yeah, my mom loves Harash's act <laughs> acting. She's, she, she's like, oh, this guy has very interesting eyes, you know. And then, and then my mom uh, recognizes Noah from A Boys to Men. Uh, yeah, she, she was like, oh, this clown again. This clown, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's quite refreshing because you don't see, I mean, you don't, you don't expect this kind of thing on Channel 5, like, no way. Channel yeah. 5 is all like, you know, primary school skit. And then <laughs> <laughs> converted into, but um, so very politically correct, very safe and quite cookie cutter, like, as, at least the Channel 5 stuff I've seen. But this one, you know, there's everything, you know, there's humor, you know, there's making fun of, uh, I, 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 in second, the second episode when you were making fun of meritocracy, Han, yeah, meritocracy Han Yong and, the, and, and being yeah. a scholar in the, in the marriage registry. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought the girls acted really well. I, I I've met Muna before at the A six event. Yeah. Um, I haven't met the other girl, but she Ketanya. looks like my sorry. Ketanya, Ketanya, yeah. I haven't met her, but she's she kind of looks like a bad girl version of my friend Samantha. Oh, uh, yeah. Samantha plays Dota with me. So oh, <laughs> yeah. So but I was like, hey, it doesn't look like Samantha. I cannot unsee it. Yeah. So so yeah, it was quite interesting. I've, I made it to episode three. My awesome. mom's only made it to episode two, but I look forward to watching the the rest of it. I was actually really looking out for Terence, hoping he'll make a cameo, oh, but it doesn't cool. sound like he's in it. Yeah, so, he's directing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. behind the camera. Behind the camera. Yeah. Okay. So, Your girlfriend gonna watch it also? You gonna? Um. Well, I, I would love for her to watch it, but I do think there's a lot of like local references. That's true. That's yeah. True. So it could be a bit challenging to follow, but I like that. You know, there's no censorship. No, there's vulgarities, and yeah. it's so relatable because that's how Singaporeans talk. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. exactly how Singaporeans talk. Not not like how people like our local. Uh, media productions. That's not how Singaporeans talk. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, Singaporeans oh. are quite vulgar, like, you know. Yeah, that's why. And part of the beauty of the English language is that kind of like dialect and the swear words yes. and, and stuff like that. Like. Yes. So yeah. we are we are super happy we got to make it the way we wanted to, and now it's out there in the world. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, it's fantastic. My girlfriend will actually like. Um, I'm gonna say I should stop saying that. Nat Natasha will actually like. Um, this because she's learned like, a few like you no know, Singaporean swear words and she thinks mm. it's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> she really thinks awesome, it's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Maybe when she's here, she wants, I think she wants to visit after Sea Games. So oh, okay, awesome. okay. I would love for her to meet you guys at some point. So Sea Games will be coming back to Singapore? Yes, I'll come back. Oh, shit. Um, I'll be back 13th of May. Then maybe we, yeah, we can meet for a chat again then. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay, so, yeah. So, I mean, wish you all the best, dude. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, like, like what, what, whatever comes out of it, we're all, like, super happy for you. Yeah. And hopefully we can see you when you're back, Okay, thank you Sweet. very much. Okay, thanks, man. See you. And thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, goodbye.